0: Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ.
1: Your spouse was tempted by the devil. What can you do? There are marriages around the world that have spouses tempted by the devil, by the enemy, and there are millions and millions of marriages that are falling apart into destruction from separation to divorce to another marriage and on and on it goes. And the enemy is laughing at us all because we do not know what to do. What can we do? That's where I was. What can I do? I went to pastors, I went to counselors, I went to everybody to get their opinion And they gave me all their opinion. No one opened up the word of God. And I went for the escape clause. I divorced my husband. And yes, in the midst of me divorcing my husband, my Lord God loved me enough to not give up on me for my disobedience. And he kept talking to me even though I was not even hearing him even though I was going to church, even though I kept seeking so many people to get healing and to get the bomb of Gilead that I needed, which was from him, but I didn't know where to go. But the Lord loved me and has mercy and grace, and he touched me. After the divorce, so many people say, if I get divorced, then it's it. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when the Lord touches you. It matters that he touches you. And he gives you a direction. He speaks to you. He guides you. He directs your footsteps. I want you to know that your spouse has been tempted by the devil, by the enemy, by Satan. The same as in Genesis, as Eve was tempted by the enemy and by the devil. She succumbed to that. She didn't know how to fight the fight. But God sent his son. And he says, I'm going to send the Messiah. I'm going to send my only son to pay the price and shed his blood on the cross because our Lord Jesus Christ has paid the price. We do not have to give in to the temptations of the devil. Your spouse does not have to live by torment and live in sin for the rest of their life there are things that we can do and there's things that you need to do we need to never 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 give up we need to stand in the gap for our spouse and for our loved ones forever would you give up on somebody that is sinking would you not throw them the rope and do everything to save them see i know that the lord is telling us to stand in the gap but we're not wanting to pay the price and we're going to talk about that tonight hosea 4:6 i want to open up with my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge and i failed my spouse I failed myself, I failed my children, I failed my family. I failed and had to go to my mother and father-in-law after our divorce and ask them to forgive me for not trusting in God to restore our marriage, to rebuild our marriage. Yes, my spouse was deceived. Yes, my spouse was living in sin. Yes, my spouse had problems, but God had a plan and a purpose that was far greater than I could ever hope and imagine. And this is what you need to hear tonight. Your spouse has been tempted by the devil, but the devil has been defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has given us power over the devil. And we need tonight to study about how that the Lord God can do anything and we have the power to do it turn to matthew 4 verse 1 then jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry and the tempter came to him and said if you are the son of god tell these stones to become bread and jesus answered it is written man does not live on bread alone Do you know the word of God? I did not know the word of God. That is why I divorced my spouse. I did not know all the scriptures about marriage. I knew the one that everybody kept telling me, the escape clause due to adultery, you need to divorce them. That's not what the word says. Do you see that men and women, family and friends and church people and everyone may paraphrase Scripture? But I warn you and I plead with you and I beg you to not just listen to paraphrasing of Scripture, but go to the Word of God and read the before and the after and the whole chapter of Scripture that you will know the context it is in our marriages are in destruction they're in a crisis we have a cancer of divorce but because it is divorce and because we have the freedom of doing whatever we want and because we have not turned our hearts toward god we are destroying two spouses but we're destroying children mothers and fathers and mothers and father-in-laws, aunts, uncles, cousins, and we can go on from generation. If you would ever to put on a blackboard and you would put your husband and your wife and you would put their family and your family, the genealogy, and you would put your children and see how many people it is going to affect. How many of you have divorced somewhere in your family? We all now have divorce in our family because it's such an epidemic. And I am asking you, your spouse has been tempted by the devil. What can you do? There's many things that you and I need to do. Number one is we need to know the word of God. Jesus knew the word of God, even though the devil was distorting and paraphrasing and not telling the Word of God in the true context. I'm saying to you, you need to start today to read the Bible through in a year or two years. I don't care when you start, if it's in January or if it's in June, start reading the Bible. I don't care if it's three or four chapters a day, if it's two chapters a day, but you need to discipline yourself. You know what? We've become a very lazy society. And we Christians, I would say, are probably the lazier part of society. We can have men and women of all ages go to college and graduate with master's degrees and all these other degrees. We can have children at three, four, five, six years old, learn computers. But we, as a Christian society, cannot learn and memorize the Word of God. And there's more power in the Word of God than there is in any other word. And so we need to know the word of God. We need to have it in our hearts. You need to play it on a CD. You need to sing songs with it. You need to teach your children the word of God. And I think we need to get serious about fighting the devil. We need to get serious about saying, what can I do? There's a lot you can do. You can be an example to everybody else that you are around. Everybody else, you can be the lighthouse in the darkness of this world and where you work and where you go to church. God is going to send a messenger to your spouses one way or another. Do you believe in the power of your God? And if you do, then you cannot doubt that God has been speaking over and over and over again. You have a rock that it needs to be broken. It is your spouse's heart that has become hard-hearted. And you need to pray like a beam of light. The more you pray, the more you claim the word of God, so when you pray, it says that in the revelation that there are prayers of and bowls of heaven It says that if you pray, God will move. Well, God says the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So if the Lord is saying to you, your prayers are really going to move mountains, and it says in the Bible that mountains can melt as wax, then if you believe all that, then we need to know the word of God. We need to stand on the word of God. And we need to believe in the word of God. So you need to know the word. You need to believe in the word. And then you need to stand on the promises of God. What are the promises of God? Do you know that your Bible has thousands of promises of God? But do you know them? See, I did not know the promises of God. I did not believe in the Word of God to believe that God could move anything, let alone heal my marriage. I believed my Lord as a Savior only to get me to heaven. I believed that if I was to die, I'd get to heaven because I believed for my salvation. But I did not believe that I had a personal relationship. I've heard about it. I heard him talk about it. I prayed to him every day. But I had a one-way road of communication. It was a one-way of talk only and sign out, Lord, bless my day. Gone. Amen. That was it. I never waited in the presence of the Holy Spirit that he would even utter a word to me or speak to me or talk to me. I didn't even know that God could speak to me. Me? Charlene? Who was so broken, so destroyed, who failed so badly as a wife, who didn't know what to do or how to do or how to pray for my husband. God does speak. God does speak to the prodigals. He's not given up on your spouse. He's not given up on your marriage. He's not given up on your children. And He can heal restore and rebuild your marriage but you need to know the word of god and you need to know that the enemy is going to try to deceive you discourage you and make you look at your circumstances and you need to know the word of god you need to believe in the word of god and stand on the promises of god and let's go to psalm 3 8 we need to read the bible every day And I challenge you that one psalm and one proverb is not enough. I'm going to tell you today, you need to read a New Testament. You need to read the red in the Bible. You need to read what the Lord Jesus Christ said to his disciples, because we are to be disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to walk the walk that he's challenged us to walk in. You cannot have the Lord speak to you unless you read the word of God. See, he's going to speak through his holy word. He gave us the Bible as the book of instructions to give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding. But the devil has made us so busy and so preoccupied going to counselors and friends and pastors and going around to take surveys. That we never went to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've never gone to God the Father. We've never gone to the greatest counselor of all. We forget that we have the Holy Spirit in us to guide us and direct us every day of our lives. We need to know that in Psalm 3.8 it says, From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. From the Lord comes deliverance. Right there, you guys need to be shouting that your spouse is going to be delivered, he is going to do the deliverance. It's not what you say or what you are going to try to manipulate to happen. It is not that. The Lord does not need any of your help. He needs you to do one thing, pray. That's all he's asking you to do. I'm not asking you to go do all manipulation with your spouse. I'm asking you to just trust me. Allow me to show you what I want you to do. And he will speak to you. He will show you. And then you'll learn the promises of God. From the Lord comes deliverance. And we need to know that God wants to save all of his children. Matthew 4 verse 7. It says don't test the Lord. And let's go to Deuteronomy 6 verses 16 to 19. Do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulation and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. He's saying to you, you need to follow my commandments and you need to go back to the Ten Commandments. Well, you know what the Ten Commandments is? Do not commit adultery. So, you know, right there, that's a good commandment. Do not steal. That's a good commandment. Do not put anything before your God. God is a jealous God. And I know that there are many people like me that put your spouse or your children before God and we need to say Lord forgive us in fact we cannot put our marriage restoration before our Lord God he says don't plead and beg and spend more time pleading and begging than you are spending time praising and worshiping me do not put me at the second or third class put me first he's a jealous God And he says, don't test the Lord. In Deuteronomy 6, same scripture. It's in Matthew 4, verse 10. It said, fear and worship the Lord your God. Serve him only. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 12. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only and take your oath in his name do not follow other gods the gods of the people around you for the lord your god who is among you is a jealous god and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land so it's telling you we need to put the lord god first in our lives and we need to understand that we need to go to matthew 4:17 near the end of the chapter from that time on jesus began to preach Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know, when you have sin in your life, the door is opened ajar with the devil putting his foot in there and saying, I made you do that. And you're not gonna repent of it and you're not gonna repent of what you said to your spouse that you shouldn't have said, or what you said at work that you shouldn't have said to somebody. We need to have integrity. Because you know what, when you turn on the TV and you start listening to people, They stretch the truth into this way and that way and every way. We need to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. And we need to quit flavoring it to make it sound bigger or better or whatever. And we don't need to flavor about and talk about our spouses and and make it you wouldn't believe what they're doing. No, you need to say, you need to pray for me. Pray for them. If you had a spouse who is diagnosed with cancer today, would you not get on the phone and call your church and your pastor and your people and say, pray for my spouse who has cancer. He's going to die. Your spouse has got cancer of sin, and they're going to die in hell if they don't repent. And we need to be burdened and concerned and just overwhelmed with grief of what the devil has done to your spouse we need to stand on the promises of God and my question for you today are you willing to pay the price for the restoration of your marriage go to Matthew 16 Matthew 16 and I'm gonna go back and read from verse 21 in Matthew 16 verse 21 from that time on Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And that is a warning for you. That is a sign that the closest friend, a man of God, a woman of God could say to you, you can't do this. You're crazy to keep standing. Why are you putting up with this adultery and the lying and all that's going on? Why are you doing this? God has spoken to you. He's given you signs and and over and over burdened your heart for this man or woman of God that has fallen into sin, whether they know the Lord or whether they don't know the Lord. It is one of the children of God. Jesus said to Peter, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. He was talking in his flesh. He didn't want Jesus to suffer. He didn't want him to die on the cross. Your family and friends and pastor and church people don't want you to suffer. They don't want you to go through this trial and tribulation. They don't want to have to see you suffer because they don't want to go through the same thing either. And they don't want to have to go down this road. Let me tell you, you need to think about that. You are doing the things of God. You are doing the plan because in verse 24 it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and then... And then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I don't want on Judgment Day, Charlene, if you had listened to me and done what I had told you, let me show you what you could have accomplished. Da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden he says, No, but because you chose to do it your way, look, and it's like night and day. There's God's way or your way. The Lord is saying, deny yourself and pick up the cross and follow me. He's not telling you you may not have to go through some hard roads. He's not telling you that the cross is not going to be difficult some days. But he says, my yoke is easy. He's saying, my grace is going to be sufficient. He's saying, trust me, believe in me. In fact, let's go to Proverbs 3. This is a simple scripture that everybody knows and hopefully by heart, or we'll get there. Verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And that means all. All means all. That means not part of your heart. You can't be double-minded. You need to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, Acknowledge him every way. He's saying, I want you to put me first. Acknowledge me. And he will make your paths straight. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. You know what? In the natural, we could think how we could solve every one of our problems. We can figure out and plan and we're good people and we're successful in our careers. So we could do this. We can make a success of how we're going to do everything. Because you all are successful people in whatever career you've chosen. So you can accomplish doing this. But the Lord says, I want you to trust me with your heart. I want you not to do it on your own understanding. I don't want you to give me your input. He says, I want you to acknowledge me and I will make your way straight. I will turn the crooked road straight. It says in 16, to pick up your cross. He says, I want you to follow me. I want you to say, I'm going to believe in my Lord Jesus Christ. How many are going to be praying for other people besides your family? I pray right now that you will even maybe think of three people or four people, maybe even five people that you know in the society of where you work, in the group, in the realm, in the circle, that you work and play and go to church. Of three to five people that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ maybe besides your family and start praying for their salvation see what God does God wants to use you but we're so selfish that all we care about is my marriage my family and my happiness and I don't care about my best friend or their family or whatever else is going on or how many people at church that are going to hell because their spouses are not going to church and I don't even ask them where their spouse is because if their spouse is in at church every week, there's probably a reason why they're not, as you well know. And we need to be burdened about praying for them. You don't need to know the garbage. You don't need to know the circumstances. You need to put in your prayer book, I hope you have one, their name so you can mark on your answer to prayers saved and a date so you can start praying for someone else. Jesus Christ was sent down to save his people from their sins. Sin is the greatest enemy that the devil is using to destroy everyone's soul and life. And those who turn to Jesus are going to be set free. We are free in Christ. Jesus Christ is going to set our spouses free from the guilt and the shame that they have right now. Let's go to John 8. Do we really believe that Jesus saves? We believe the ones that come to church that they will be saved. But we need to believe that our Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for my spouse's sins, for my children's sins, and that he can go and touch them. John 8, 31. To the Jews who have believed, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth. Will set you free. Do we believe that? Some of you don't believe in the power of your Lord God. For you and your family. But I need you to remember. Two people tonight that we can talk about. Saul. Saul had a life changing experience. Saul was as bad as your spouse or worse. He was killing people. He was after the Christians. They were hiding to be not found by Saul. Because Saul was out to destroy the Christian church. He hated the Christians. Everybody heard, do not get near. If Saul was after them with the Roman soldiers, they went the opposite direction. But God, and that's what you got to remember, but God can do anything. Nothing is too hard for him. In Acts 26, Paul had already been touched by the Lord in Acts chapter 9. You can go there. But Acts chapter 9 talks about the Damascus Road experience. And you need to pray. What can you do tonight? Your spouse has fallen into adultery. They've fallen into sin. They've been tempted by the devil. You can pray for your spouse to have a Damascus Road experience. Saul was headed to go kill Christians. And he got stopped by the Lord God Almighty, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Acts 9, 3. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Now mind you, Saul was killing Christians, but who did he say he was persecuting? He was persecuting Jesus. You know what? you're suffering and hurting and going through all the pain but you're suffering for christ's sake and if you will do it for christ's sake and turn the other cheek go the extra mile and accept the persecution and the insults jesus said he will bless you and your rewards will be in heaven you will get more crowns because of this you're going to be blessed for the persecution you're going through right now. And that is what we've got to get back to knowing the red in the Bible. We need to get back to where we know the scriptures that when the devil comes against you and you may go through a trial or a tribulation, you're gonna rejoice that you're going through these trials and tribulations, that it's building character and giving you hope and perseverance. You need to know the word so that when the devil hits you with something, you can go get your Bible and look up the scripture and say, devil, this is, this this what the scripture is. And you can quote it back and defeat the devil and he has to leave. What can you do? You need to know the word of God, quote the word of God so the devil will have to leave you in the name of Jesus. You have the power within you. The Lord has given you the authority And it says, I am Jesus, who you're persecuting. And the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. But in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision. And he said, Ananias, yes, Lord, he said, the Lord said, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And Ananias answered him, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, and are you willing to pick up your cross and stand up and be obedient to what the Lord tells you to do? Because here's Ananias saying, Lord, go give me another assignment. That's what he's saying. I don't want to do this, Lord. This is too hard. Lord, I'm going to die. He's going to kill us all. This is what you don't understand you can read this chapter now and not be scared but what if you were ananias and had to go see saul and you knew what his plan has been the lord said to ananias go this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the gentiles and their kings and before the people of israel i will show him how much he must suffer my name and then Ananias went to the house and entered it placing his hands on Saul brother Saul the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again he got up and was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength your spouse needs a damascus Road experience your spouse needs to be a saul and he'll turn into a paul my husband and i are no different than saul god spoke to me and he said he will be great in the sight of the lord Blessed is she who believes that what the Lord said will be accomplished. I want to tell you, I've been there. I've cried. I've laid on the floor. I can't do it anymore. Lord, this is too hard. There's too many circumstances. And I had to repent and repent. And repent and confess my sins because you are sinning as much as your spouse is. Your behavior, your attitude is not anymore like Jesus. You need to act and live like Jesus. And we need to be different. We don't want to be different. We want to have the holy anger that Jesus wants us to have. Well, Jesus doesn't want you to have righteous anger. He wants you to forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them over and over and over again. He wants you to forgive them and ask repentance every day for your shortcomings, for you losing your temper, for your hopelessness, for your double-mindedness, for your lack of faith, for your fear. Quit looking at your spouse and look at your own sin and say, Lord, make me to be the man and woman of God that I'm supposed to be. Quit worrying about your spouse at and ask the Lord to change me. Make me into the instrument that you want me. Okay, if Bob never comes home, Lord, use me. Use me that I can save marriages. I can help other people. Lord, use me. Whatever way, Lord, may I be able to share to one woman, five women, whatever you want me to do, God. But never. Let me ever give up on my marriage like I did. That was my prayer. Never believing, never imagining that the Lord would say, I hear those prayers and I'm going to use you in ways that I would never, ever believe. I am a nobody people. I'm a child of a king that has nothing but a high school education that is writing daily devotionals, that is pleading with men and women around the world to not give up on their spouse because Jesus has a bigger and better plan than we can ever begin to imagine. That is because Saul was touched by the Holy Spirit and touched by Jesus, and I was touched by Jesus you need to be touched by jesus and when god tells you what you need to do you need to stay on that road regardless of the mountains that you're going to see because that mountain that you see is going to move when the lord gets you to the mountain when you have to get right there it's going to disappear because the lord's going to take you through the mountain or around the mountain he is never going to leave you or forsake you He will never abandon you. He will never reject you. He is all you need. And we forget that. Acts 26 is one of my scriptures the Lord gave me so many years ago. And it says, I will rescue. And that is what you're praying for. You're praying that your spouse is going to be rescued from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes. You want your spouse's eyes and ears to be open, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Saul was the one that was coming against Jesus, but Jesus saw his evilness But he also saw God's plan. And God touched him, changed him, and moved on him. And used Paul in the most awesome ways in building churches. And he died for his Lord Jesus Christ. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price for restoration of marriage? Not only for your marriage, but for your children, your grandchildren, and the generations to come. I know, the Lord asked me, was I willing to pay the price, even if it meant death. And I knew that I had said, whatever it takes, Lord, to get my husband right, to get my children to heaven, whatever it takes, Lord, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, it's funny, when you talk to moms, the moms will do anything for their children. Well, you know what the Lord is saying? He put me first, spouse second, children third. And I was upside down on all of it. I didn't do one, I did two. I was just all upside down because I put my career before my spouse and my children and my God. So, I mean, I was really messed up. But the Lord took me and straightened everything out. There are so many awesome scriptures that we need to know. I don't know if you've read the book of Ezekiel, but if you haven't, you might because it's an awesome book. But Ezekiel 18 verse 30 says, repent, turn away from all your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. Whoa, that's the one I want. That's when you can pray right there for your spouse and for you and for your children, your mom and dad. Rid yourself. And this is talking to me and you, not just to our spouses. See, you got to take the beam, you know, that log that says it's in your own eye. You need to take it out of your eye so that you can see. And you need to quit pointing the fingers at your spouse. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Ask the Lord to rid you and your husband and your children of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. See, what can I do? We need to pray the word of God with our spouse's name in it. We need to know to put the armor of God on. We need to know. We need to pray scriptures that are prayers in Ephesians 1, 16 through 20. Ephesians three sixteen through 20. You need to go to Colossians 1, 9 to 14. You need to know these scriptures and these prayers. You need to know that you need to put a hedge of protection around your spouse and your family and your children. You need to know that you need to put a wall of fire. You need to know to put the armor of God on. You need to know that you need to fast and pray to break strongholds. You need to know how to fight spiritual battle. What can you do? You can do all these things. We need to remember David. David was a man after God's own heart, but David fell into temptation. He committed adultery. He committed murder, and the Lord touched him. He waited for a year for David to confess and repent, and he never did. So finally he sent Nathan, and this is in 2 Samuel. He sent Nathan, Nathan to go to him and confront him. So I want to tell you, there are a lot of men and women that have stories and testimony. God does speak to them. He gives you warnings, and he gives warnings, and sooner or later, he's going to confront your spouse and you with your sins. Every week, we get to share testimonies of praise reports on our Charlene Kears Saturday praises. And we were able to speak to a prodigal that is on their way home. In fact, our home now. She had a Damascus Road experience. Her husband had been praying and fasting and doing all the things that God had showed him to do. She shared to our Monday night Bible study over the phone, long distance. The spouse who had been standing wanted to share his testimony. But the prodigal spouse was there. She shared with us, and we were not expecting to hear from her. Monday night Bible study people that came that night were blessed to hear the spouse share that she was headed to the boyfriend, and God spoke to her. And she had an encounter with God Almighty, debating that she was not going to be obedient to what He told her to do. She had a battle and a confrontation with God all weekend, until she finally comes home on Monday and tells her husband that God told her to come home and she knew the date she was to come home. She finally had the fear of God come upon her that she had to be obedient to the Lord. We need to have a holy reverential fear of God for ourselves, for disobedience and not standing. And we need to pray that our spouses will have a reverential fear, our children, Will have a reverential fear of god in closing when to ask you a question has the lord asked you to do something that you may not want to do is the lord asking you to stand for your marriage forever and you're giving him a time limit do you and i not need to be more concerned about our spouses going to hell than our own pleasures of life if your spouse's life was dependent upon you praying and standing, Forever, Would you be willing to do that? Did you not say in your wedding vows, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part? See, I believe we said that with such love and, and such innocence. We did not even begin to think we would have problems. But some of you had problems the very first year. And some of you had problems in the third to fifth year. And some of you made it a little bit longer. But I'm saying to you, you made a vow and a covenant. It's not a contract that you could say, whoops, I changed my mind. She doesn't want me. I don't want her. No, that's not what God said. It's a covenant, a vow for life. And so I am challenging you tonight. Your spouse was tempted. They fell into sin. What can you do? You can stand in the gap. You can pray and pray and pray. And you can know the word of God. You can believe in the word of God. And you can stand on the promises of God. You can believe in the power of your Lord God. And believe that your Lord God can speak to your spouse as he spoke to Saul on the Damascus road. Nothing, nothing is too hard. I'm going to close with Ezekiel 36. Verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. And you will be careful to keep my laws. Let's skip down to verse 33. This is what the sovereign Lord says on the day I cleanse you from all your sins on the day I cleanse your spouse from all their sins. I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say this land was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins desolate and destroyed are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. It's another promise from God. Your spouse has been tempted by the devil. Are you going to stand in the gap? What can you do? You can never, never give up on your spouse. Lord Jesus, we just praise you. We worship you. We adore you. There's so many scriptures that we've run out of time, but Lord, I just pray. Oh God, speak to these people. Speak to your children, that they will know your plan and your purpose for them, that they will never, never give up on their spouse. Yes, their spouse has fallen into sin. Yes, their children have become disobedient and rebellious, but our Lord God can do anything. Nothing, nothing is too hard. Nothing is impossible. And Lord, I pray that you will touch this person that is listening to this teaching and you would touch them and anoint them and give them power from on high, faith from on high, remove the spirit of fear and doubt and unbelief and touch them that they will walk in victory and believe in the power of their Lord Jesus Christ, that they will know that they know that you're going to touch their spouse like you touched Saul, you're going to touch their spouse like you touched David and had him repent and still used him mightily, you're going to still use these men and women in the future. Lord, nothing is too hard. If you use Bob and I, you're going to use other men and women around the world to have a revival of restoring and rebuilding our marriages on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. There are many, many people in all facts of life all around the world that have assignments of special ministries that you have started to plan and create and water the seed of what is going to happen in the future. And Lord, I pray that you will just never let these people give up, that they will wait for their seeds to bear fruit. And we'll just give you the praise and the glory that you're going to heal and restore their spouse, their marriage, and rebuild their relationships. You're going to reignite the love, and you're going to restore their family and their children and build everything on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you that you can do this, and we'll give you the praise and the glory for every marriage that is restored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.
0: If you are like me, you probably like to have as many things in your life automated as possible. Nowadays, we can automate so many things from telling our vacuum when to clean the house while we're at work to automating the oven to turn on to cook our dinner Well, one of the things that people have enjoyed is our Family Challenge. It is an automated donation that you can make every month to Rejoice Marriage Ministries without ever having to think about it. When you sign up for the Family Challenge, you can pick your predetermined donation amount, and on the first or 15th day of each month, depending on the date that you choose, until you tell us to stop, you will make a monthly contribution to Rejoice Marriage Ministries without ever having to think about it. You can visit www.rejoiceministries.org and click on Donate to find out more about the monthly family challenge. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.